0: Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge's online service. I'm Pastor John, and we are continuing our series in the book of Philippians, uh, Cultivate. We're looking at this letter to the Philippians to see how God cultivates churches. So I'm glad that you tuned in with us. I'm glad that you are joining with us, whether it's through the podcast or through the YouTube channel. Um, You are welcome to worship with us here. And I do want to extend an invitation. We are doing in-person services again. Uh, We have an outdoor service at 530 on Saturday night, and we have an indoor service at 1030 on Sunday mornings. I invite you to come and to join with us. Um, If you're not comfortable being indoors, that's why we have the outdoor service. Um, But I am glad that you have tuned in with us online. The way this service is going to run is um, we'll have some announcements for you, then you'll hear the Word of God read, and you'll hear the sermon preached, and then there will be two, two songs to help guide you through worship and music. So thank you for joining with us in worship. We're glad to have you. And may God bless you. Let us now prepare ourselves to worship and let us hear the announcements so you can understand what's happening in our church community.
1: Welcome to Stonebridge. This past week, we launched a special five-week podcast series called Stonebridge Parents. Children's and Family Ministries Director Stephanie Leedy sat down with Sherry Crow and talked about child entitlement. This coming Tuesday, Miss Stephanie will sit down with Pastor John and talk about fatherhood and Christian parenting. You won't want to miss it. Look for these special bonus episodes within the Stonebridge podcast. Our Board of Deacons not only helps the needy in our community through monthly donations to the Samaritan Center, Sarah's House, James Storehouse, and Action, they also provide confidential support, encouragement, and assistance to members of our church family. You're invited to support the caring work of our deacons by making a special offering on the first weekend of every month. Thank you so much for your generosity. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at Or if you're following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship.
0: Our sermon series, Cultivate, has focused on the letter to the Philippians, the letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi, encouraging that congregation to cultivate the harvest of righteousness, or more accurately, encouraging them to be aware of how God is cultivating a harvest of righteousness amongst them. And we're looking at this letter to try to see how is God cultivating us? When we look at a church that God is cultivating, what sort of signs do we see? What markers are there to know how God cultivates the church? And today I'll be looking at Philippians chapter 3 verses 4 through 11, where Paul talks a little bit about his past, talks a little bit about what defines him now. So I invite you as I read the scriptures to hear the word of God. This is Philippians chapter 3 verses 4 through 11. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ, More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you now to join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, through your scriptures, speak to us. Help us to understand what it is we are to have confidence in. Help us to understand how we are to identify ourselves. Help us to understand how our identity is rooted, Lord. Through these words that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, help us to understand ourselves better and help us to understand you better. That we might have deeper faith in you. That our hope might be expanded, Lord. And that we can attain your resurrection. And that we might understand the power of your resurrection. Speak to us through your scriptures now. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to share with you all an embarrassing confession. When I was in middle school, I was a complete poser. Now, if you're not familiar with the term poser, a poser is somebody who poses as something they're not. In order to fit in, in order to make friends, they pose. And I was a complete poser. And I'm not just exaggerating. I was very much a poser. I just, I wanted to fit in, I guess. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. So I would try to adopt things and little subcultures, become parts of these subcultures that had nothing to do with me, nothing to do with who I was or who I am. For instance, early on in middle school, I decided one day that I was a skater but I was gonna be a skater. So this was in the 90s. I started adopting all the cool skater trends. I got big baggy pants. I went out and bought a pair of Etnies, which were a skater brand of shoes. Um, I had all sorts of skater t-shirts now, and I was a skater. I talked about skating all the time. I started reading magazines. The only problem was I didn't actually skateboard. I was horrible at it. I didn't really practice it. I don't even know if I liked it that much at that point. Later on in life, I did become good. But at this point in middle school, I didn't actually skate. I was posing as a skater just to try to make friends and try to fit in. Now, what this posing led to for me was phases that I would go through. So for about a month, I was a skater. That was who I was. And then I decided, you know, the whole skating thing, it's not really working out. I don't know if this is really what I want to be. So pretty much overnight, I became a surfer. My 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 jeans got a little bit tighter. Um, I started wearing flip-flops more, wearing more tank tops, let my hair grow a little bit. Talked about surfing, read magazines about surfing. Again, the only problem was I didn't actually surf. I was just posing. the The very thing that the culture that I was trying to be a part of revolved around, I didn't actually do it at that point in my life. Again, later on, I did surf later, but there in middle school, I, I didn't surf. I just talked like I did. I was, I was posing. So those were two phases I went through of just trying to pose and trying to fit in. And this is where it gets really embarrassing, folks, okay? it's gonna get more cringe-worthy as we move along here. Um, I was a surfer for maybe three or four weeks, and then I just felt like that wasn't really working out for me. So I became punk rock. Yes, I became punk rock. I went out and got really tight pants. I got a leather jacket, started sewing patches on my backpack and patches on my clothes of different punk bands. Some of the punk bands I'd never listened to. I couldn't tell you anything about. I just knew that that's what punk rockers liked. So I I did that. I Started spiking my hair, dyeing my hair different colors, putting a chain on my wallet, all sorts of things. Again, the problem here was this just wasn't my culture. It wasn't any part of my upbringing. I didn't hold to most of the political beliefs associated with punk rock culture. I was posing. It wasn't who I, who I really was. And now here's where it gets really embarrassing. And we have to be able to just laugh at these things. But I, I did the whole punk rock thing for maybe five weeks, six weeks, And then I decided, you know what? I don't think this is a real good fit either. This just doesn't seem to be who I am. And I don't really want to be friends with these people anymore. So what did I do? I started claiming that I was hip hop. I I started getting into rap music. I got really baggy pants again. Started wearing different brands associated with different rappers. Um, Folks, there is nothing about me growing up that was hip hop in any way whatsoever. Again, this was just another culture. It wasn't mine. I just wanted to fit in, but just the thought of going from punk rock and literally overnight showing up at school, um, claiming Wu-Tang Clan, and that was the really embarrassing thing about this was I started thinking that I was like an East Coast rap person. Um, I had never been to the East Coast. I had no idea about the East Coast. This was just what was popular and I wanted to fit in. So I went through these phases. Uh, Eventually, I did settle on just who I am, really. And that's largely a a nerd who likes reading books and likes comic books. Um, But I, I went through these phases. And a big part of it, I think, was I didn't really have confidence in who I was. I didn't have confidence in who God had made me to be, and I didn't have a sense of definition when it came to my identity. I didn't have any sort of confidence in who God had made me to be. So I started pulling from all these other sources, trying to cobble together some sort of identity that would let me feel confident. And it resulted in some pretty embarrassing fashion choices there. And it resulted in me appropriating cultures that that had nothing to do with me. I think that that, what I experienced in middle school, I think that that's what a lot of us as Christians and churches, I think we go through that. It, It might look a little different, but at its core, it's the same basic problem. Many of us as Christians, we're trying to figure out who we actually are as a follower of Jesus, We're trying to take our lives outside of church and reconcile that with our lives in church. And many churches, uh, they end up straying from the Bible a little. And they end up adopting all sorts of different causes and all sorts of different ideas that aren't actually rooted in Scripture. And that ends up defining the church more. There's a lack of confidence in who God has created us to be and a lack of knowledge and a lack, I think, of just trust in what the scriptures say. So we turn to things that are easier to grasp on to, easier to hold on to. It could be a political cause that a church embraces. It could be... a a theory that isn't actually rooted in Scripture but has just been popular in church tradition for a while. It could be any number of things that we as churches and as Christians, we try to grab onto and use that for our identity. I think that that's uh, one of the things that Paul is addressing here in the letter to the Philippians. I think he's doing it in a little bit different way than the way I've just presented it, but I think it's the same basic problem. Paul is talking about in this passage the things that used to define his identity. He's talking about how he used to brag. And he's letting the people know that if they want to brag about this, these accomplishments in the flesh, if they want to sit there and have that be as what defines them, Paul can claim that more than they can. If they want to play that game, Paul can do it better. Paul was circumcised on the eighth day like a good Jewish person would be. He was of the tribe of Benjamin one of the premier tribes. He was a Pharisee. Under the law, he says he was blameless. These are all things that Paul used to, before he understood who Jesus was, he used to use those to define himself. Being a persecutor of the church, it used to be something that Paul defined himself by. But Paul, before he knew Jesus, he didn't understand who he really was. He didn't have confidence in who God had made him to be. He pulled from these other sources to cobble together an identity. And it's not that they were necessarily bad, though persecuting the church was bad. But they were put in the wrong place. They were made too central to Paul's identity. But now Paul tells us he views all of that as rubbish. I want you to know here, the Greek word, that it's translated as rubbish, it's actually a little more graphic than just rubbish. It's like human waste. That's what Paul counts all of these things that he used to brag about as. Because Paul has experienced something deeper. And Paul's identity and what he's confident in, it's something deeper than that. Paul goes on to tell us that knowing Christ now is worth letting go of all those other things. But not just knowing Christ, understanding the power of Christ's resurrection. He uses that phrase, the power of his resurrection. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrected Lord, who appeared to him on the road to Damascus, that has taken over his identity. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing. Now, it's not just for Paul, though. If you read the entire New Testament, the resurrection of Jesus is what defines these documents. From the Gospels to Paul to the John's letters to Peter's letters to the book of Revelation, the one thing that ties them all together is the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' resurrection, when it comes to being a Christian, it's not one piece of the pie, it is the pie. The resurrection is everything when it comes to Christian faith. And according to Paul here and elsewhere in in his letters, the resurrection, it's what defines us. It's why we let go of anything and everything. The resurrection of Jesus, this belief that Jesus, being fully God and fully human, came to earth in human form as God. And then, went to the cross and suffered and died. And there on the cross took all sin, all suffering, all punishment upon himself. But then three days later, he rose. And in that resurrection, in that rising from the dead, all sin, all pain, all suffering, it was defeated. It was overcome. The resurrection is, is the symbol of God's victory. And it's not just the symbol of God's victory. It is God's victory. The resurrection of Jesus is the most important event in the history of humanity and in the history of the universe. That's the message in the New Testament. That's what Paul has come to understand here in this letter to the Philippians. That in comparison to the resurrection of Jesus, nothing else truly matters. And that the things that do matter in our lives, they matter because of their connection to the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus's resurrection, our belief in it, and the resurrected Lord that we encounter. That's what defines us. That's what we are to have confidence in, both as individuals and as churches. So for those negative things in our lives, if you're at a point where your job is incredibly difficult and your your boss is wearing you down. And your boss is constantly belittling you. That doesn't define you. Jesus' resurrection, the fact that you have been redeemed, that's what defines you. If you're at a point in life where you've lost your job and your finances are falling apart and you feel like a failure, that doesn't define you. Jesus' resurrection and the fact that you have been redeemed and that God is calling you you to a life of serving Jesus and helping other people know about the resurrection, that's what defines you. But it's easy for us to point to the negative things and to say, yeah, that doesn't define us. It's also easy for us to point to people who disagree with us and point to the negative things that we see in their lives and try to tell them to let go of that. It's easy for us to look at the negative things and say, that doesn't define us. But that's not what Paul's actually doing here in this passage. Paul's taken this idea to another level. Because what Paul is talking about that is now rubbish, those aren't negative things. Those are things worthy of bragging about. Those are things that are accomplishments. These are good things, positive things. For Paul, being a Hebrew born of Hebrews, that was a source of pride. Being of the tribe of Benjamin, that was a source of pride. Being a Pharisee, that was a source of pride having this righteousness under the law, those are things people would brag about in Paul's day. But now, because of Jesus' resurrection, it changes. So, if you are a gifted athlete, and if you are going places because of your athleticism, that is great, but that doesn't define you. If you are brilliant, and wherever you go, you're the smartest person in the room, that's great, but that doesn't define you. And if you are good at business and you have been successful financially, that's great, but that doesn't define you. And whatever gifts that have been given to you, they're not just to be used so that you can feel great about yourself, though you should feel great about yourself, but you should feel great about yourself because God feels great about you. And all those gifts, athleticism... Uh, business, finances, success, all of that is to be used for people to understand who Jesus is, to place their hope in the resurrection. None of that defines us. None of the good stuff, none of the bad stuff. None of that as Christians is what ultimately, fundamentally defines us. The resurrection of Jesus is what's supposed to take over our identity. Like I said, the resurrection, it's not just one piece of the pie. It is the whole pie. The resurrection, it's not one belief that Christians have amongst a bunch of other beliefs. The resurrection is the belief. Everything flows out of the resurrection of Jesus. That's the message of the New Testament and that's what Paul understood and taught to all the churches that he started and he communicated with and as well the church in in Philippi. Now I told you about those other phases that I went through where I was trying to search for a sense of identity, a sense of belonging and uh, it led to some pretty embarrassing decisions. But there was one other phase that I also went through. And it really was a phase that was similar to the others. I became a Christian. And when I say I became a Christian, what I mean is I became part of a Christian subculture. Like the punkers, like the skaters, the surfers, it was a subculture. There was a certain type of t-shirt that you wore. There was certain bands you listened to and other bands you didn't listen to. And what I learned was it was a phase like any of those other phases. I hadn't actually been completely defined by Jesus' resurrection. And I think for a lot of us as Christians, that's the risk that we run. It is great to be part of a community and it's great to belong, but being part of the community, that's not what Paul's talking about. Being able to just brag that you're part of a church, that's not what Paul's talking about. What Paul is pushing the church in Philippi to understand is the power of Jesus's resurrection, the power to transform our lives. And he's letting them know that his identity is solely rooted in Jesus's resurrection Whatever good things there are in our lives, it's great that they're there, but they don't define us. Whatever bad things are there in our lives, those don't define us either. For us as Christians, may we be defined by Jesus' resurrection. May that be how we view our entire lives, in light of Jesus' resurrection. May we hand over our hope, our faith, our trust entirely to Jesus, knowing that he was resurrected. When God is cultivating a church, that church is defined by Jesus' resurrection. And it is known by Jesus' resurrection. So may God cultivate that amongst, amongst us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: He
3: Sin was great, your love. You saw-
0: be defined by the resurrection of Jesus. May that be what takes over your life. May that be the basis of your hope. And may it guide your decisions throughout the rest of your life. So may you go proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus, believing in the resurrection of Jesus, and may you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Amen.